This is News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. Welcome to part two of our Pride Month series. And although Pride Month may have ended a few days before the release of this podcast, we produced these two episodes to highlight some of the people close to us and that we work with, and hear a little bit more about their stories and what Pride Month means to them. In part two of the series, I had a chance to sit down with my cousin Lee Mamlin. Lee lives just outside of Columbus, Ohio, with her wife and her two kids. She's a small business owner, an educator, and a musician, and has been a tireless advocate for social justice issues for most of her adult life. But before we hear from Lee, I also had the opportunity to speak with Joe Jean. Joe works in the Indiana Child Support Program and has actually worked in the Child Support Program in many places for more than 25 years. He's also very active in the Indianapolis Bag Ladies which is an organization that raises funds and awareness for LGBTQ charities across the state and has been supporting the needs of the gay community in Indianapolis for more than 40 years. When I spoke with both of them, I started by asking what Pride Month means to them and what it was like for them this year. If you haven't heard it already, Don't forget, part one of the series is also available right now. I hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a great show. So stay with us and we'll be right back. My experience for Pride Month has changed over the years uh, quite a bit. Um, I can start at the beginning if you'd like. Um, sure. <laughs> so um, coming out, I did uh, came out in Indianapolis, in Indiana. So um, which in the '80s was a pretty uh, much more conservative than, than it is now. Um, coming out in Indianapolis was was um, a unique experience because uh, there was not a Pride Month per se uh, in the early 80s. Uh, it evolved into a, a Pride Day, a, a festival at the uh, Circle Monument, mm-hmm. which resulted in a, a few hundred people, not, not a lot um, at the time, um, with a lot of protesters around with their with their uh, various messages on signs and things protesting the fact that we were having a gay pride festival uh, to uh, fast forwarding to now here in 2020 where we have not thousands but tens upon thousands of people who line the streets of downtown Indianapolis to watch the pride parade in June um, families bringing bringing their kids to look at all the festivities and, and the fun that everybody's having. Uh, there's a lot of events that lead up to to the parade. So uh, all, all month long, uh, there's different uh, celebrations of different kinds, celebrating the, the, the various makeup of our community. It's really fun, a lot of stuff to do. Um, in Indianapolis in general is, is, it's a world apart from what it was 35, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started work, I was stayed in the closet, and very few people knew at work that I was gay. Um, 
now um, it, it doesn't seem people don't really care, at least in my world. I'm very lucky uh, where I work that I have coworkers. Um, it, it's just not an issue. I mean, it's it's not even talked about because it's not because nobody doesn't want not not because it, they don't want to talk about it, but because it's just not it's just a non issue for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to say, um, probably in the mid 90s, when I started working more um, in the in in professional white collar environments, I'll call it, where it, it got easier. Um, yeah. And as time passed, again, it became more of a non-issue for me. Um, and I know we're not videotaping this, mm-hmm. but, so I'm a gay white male. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as of late, have really started to recognize uh, why it's been much more easier for me than some of my other friends in the community. You know, I, I can walk down the street as a white male and, and no one, no one knows that I'm gay. Um, if they do know that I'm gay, uh, like I said, here in Indianapolis, it hasn't been that big of a deal. Um, I've got friends now who are dealing with things other than being gay. You know, the tone of their skin is the issue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I'm seeing develop within our community during Pride Month is a lot of people coming together and saying, hey, being part of the Pride community is not, am I, am I, am I a gay man? Am I a gay woman? Am I, you know, am I, am I um, bisexual? It's it's embracing everybody for what they are, whether they're transsexual, uh, whether they're a person of color or a, a particular religious background. If those people are hurting or are being harmed in some way from outside our community, I'm seeing more and more of us banding together and come and coming to to their defense. And when I say that that's happening within our community unfortunately we're having to defend and and assist our friends against other people within our community so Mm -hmm. within the gay community they can we can be a pretty judgmental little family group ourselves so um from from someone's sex to their uh, sexual orientation to the color of their skin their socioeconomic standing. Sometimes, you know, people look look at you differently because either you 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 ha- make less money than them, or they look at you because you make more money than them. And and there's a lot of superficial judgments that go on within the community, not just outside the community. So, yeah, I I think it's really important that those voices become louder and louder. Um, to say, hey, you know, those are those are petty things. Mm-hmm. We are here to support each other and make sure we make it through this world together. And um, there are people who really are out there helping us. I mean, this in the last ten years, the the, the legal strides that we've made in the United States, it's, it's just I, I never ever would have t- thought when I was a kid graduating high school that I could marry another man that mm-hmm. didn't even cross my mind. And, and, and it was that way for years. And even though I had uh, friends, both uh, male couples and, and female couples who had been together for decades, they, they weren't married. But, right. but now, you know, again, um, we have that. The unfortunate thing is there are still some of those loud, hateful voices out there that are still trying to just make an issue of it and squash it. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's legal, leave it alone. Uh, um, so there's that constant battle. So uh, um, I think in the United States, we're very fortunate to have not just not just gay support, but straight support in, in helping us make sure that we don't go backwards and continue to move forward. Um, and you, you mentioned Indianapolis and I grew up there too. And I have, you know, I have 
friends and relatives, close relatives who were growing up gay in the eighties in Indiana too. And it's, you're right. It was a, it was a bigger struggle in Indianapolis and Indiana for in general. Uh, And you're, you're also, I think unique because you've worked within administrations. um, You've worked in the government and you've worked with people who, you know, maybe oppose your way of life, but yeah, you're working in, in, in a segment of the government that you really believe in. So how do you reconcile that and how do you, you know, feel, how do you feel that you're supported in your profession? So you, you are right. I've, I've, um, I left the private sector 15 years ago and I now work for state government mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's kind of funny, uh, coming from Indiana and knowing some of the politics that have come from Indiana that I, I, again, I, I have, as of now had no issues with my immediate management or elected officials that I've reported up through. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's just a unique, it's a, it's a unique dynamic here where, where people treat you like they do anybody else. Um, and somehow some national agenda gets, gets born here in Indiana and gets re- taken, you know, taken to Washington and, and are, are, you know, kind of a, honestly, a very nasty attitude and, and uh, about the gay community. And <clears throat> yet I think people are learning that that's what, exactly what it was, a, mm-hmm. a, a nasty, mean, spirited um, effort. But prior to that, for those years prior, uh, like I said, my supervisors, the directors of the agencies I worked for, all the way up to the elected um, officials. Not, people, I think generally, people don't really care one way or the other. I, I think that in our world today, especially with social media, the people, even if they're in the minority, with their with their with their rhetoric can become amplified to where people mm-hmm. have this misconception that 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 it's a broader opinion. Mm-hmm. So you know the, the a loud voice is a loud voice, but it's only one. And just because they're louder it doesn't mean that there's ten thousand people behind them rooting them on. And I think people are slowly learning that. But so Social media has been a learning experience. I mean, yeah, just because it's out there doesn't make it so. Right, exactly. Well, and and I've been in the Midwest my whole life, and and I and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I kind of feel like it's a little bit in defense of that of the Midwestern culture. Like, yes, some of the rhetoric that we see on the national level may have found a home where we come from, but that doesn't mean the majority of people in Indiana and Ohio and Illinois and other places right. really feel that way. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure it's this way in many states. Uh, Indianapolis is you know, obviously the largest, most urban area in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And you can walk around downtown um, and, and be yourself. Um, then again, I wouldn't necessarily, um, I'm, I'm not sure I would feel comfortable holding my partner's hand walking down the streets of where I grew up in Southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it, 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 to me, it, it, sometimes um, I, I take for granted living in, in, in Indianapolis um, because it, it can change from from soon as you cross the county line and go into a smaller place um things like that happen so yeah yeah i'm sure what's it been like this this year and i know um you're involved in some community organizations that do a lot of good work to support you know um people in need in general but particularly in the gay community and i and i know that a, a lot of that does focus around the pride festivals and celebrations that happened starting with the race and all the way through pride month. And of course, all that was shut down this year. 
what's the how does that impact your overall community how are people dealing with not being able to really do these things and, and do you have a plan to do them later yeah so <clears throat> early march when when the pandemic really started to shut everything down um obviously the economy took a hit everybody knows that and mm -hmm. the organization that um I represent the you know the indie bag ladies that have been around for 40 years raising money for the community uh, in particular for those afflicted with hiv um, our fundraisers were based on um being in crowds so doing uh auctions and and bingo and drag shows and a a everything that takes a crowd Mm -hmm. And so we've had to step back and really look. I mean, I will admit, you know, there was a couple months where we just simply did not raise money because we we're trying to figure out what in the world, you know, how are we going to do this? Um, so it's funny, you know, um, I, I'll go back to social media because there are some good attributes about it. So there have been local entertainers, primarily drag queens, who have gone on to, to uh, do live shows via the web and through through different payment sources have have made it so you can tip these individuals and they and the, and have this money go to the various charities that they're raising money for um, the bag ladies about two weeks ago um, af after things started opening up a little bit we had an outdoor event uh, where we had a cookout and people drove by and picked up their hamburgers and hot dogs and and then they drove across the street backed into a parking spot and we had a drag show in the middle of the parking lot so we had oh. we were able to have that social distancing so the ideas that are coming from people have have absolutely been been amazing so um we're slowly getting back and you know hopefully um we can get back to where we were in the next few months but um you know, I will admit that, you know, we're not raising as much money as we normally do, and especially in the month of June during Pride, because we have a lot of events the entire month. But um, we're, we're just going to have to make that up, make that up later. And um, luckily, Indianapolis does have a community of folks who are able to just do donate directly to the organizations that need the money with, mm -hmm. without the benefit of, of being entertained. The other thing I wanted to just just touch on a little bit, and and um, you know, obviously, Pride Month is is what initiated us doing this podcast and trying to think about the people that we work with, and um, we, you know, we make a an effort, at least the people I work with, make an effort to try and be inclusive and try and be open minded. But from your viewpoint, what what can people do? Like, what's the right when you I mean, is this something that do we, is it over-recognized? Do we, do we pay too much attention? Do we pay not enough attention? What, what should people be doing to, to help make, you know, gay and lesbian and transgender people feel included? Well, I, I think for, for the most part, just being treated normally. I mean, not being treated abnormally because you are gay or because, because you're transitioning. Uh, or have transitioned that, you know, we, people are, we're just people who get up and go to work every day and have bills to pay, have relationships like everybody else. And so that being said, we want to make sure that we're just treated the same, that our relationships, people don't try to invalidate our relationships because mm -hmm. mine might happen to be with a man or mine might happen to be with a, a a female transsexual or 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 any, anybody of yeah. color you know we have relationships and and if i tell you what's what really um what really made it for me was now i personally was not being attacked per se but um, and again, I'm going to reference social media again. Mm -hmm. Somebody was 
saying some nasty things in general uh, about gays. And one of my aunts just came, just came to the defense of that and pushed back and said, what you're saying is wrong. Uh, I have people I love who are gay and, um, and just basically gave him a little bit of an education on Facebook. And you have to know that, like I said, I grew up in Southern Indiana. My mother had, um, there were five sisters and a brother. So growing up in conservative Southern Indiana, but having every one of my aunts and my uncle being raised by a, a mother who was in no way can, you know, conservative in, in the, in, in this sense of the word. I mean, mm -hmm. it, I, I just keep, I can't say that I am enough that I am very lucky that, um, my family's never treated me badly because I've been gay. They've all been accepting and I have a very close knit family. So no matter what the topic is, could be that I'm gay, could be, um, any number of things, uh, our family will come, we come to each other's defense. So, um, don't mess with my family is basically what, what our mantra is. <laughs> and so, That's a good mantra. so to have my, you know, uh, 78 year old aunt school, somebody on social media made my heart swell. It was really, it was very, very nice to see that, you know, I've learned a lot over the course of just growing up, but in mm -hmm. the last few months, my eyes have really been open. So there was a time in my life that I would have said that there's, there's nothing more I can learn about being accepting or coming to the defense or the support of someone in the gay community. But then I, you know, I realized that just because my life is good and I'm lucky in a lot of respects with employment and housing and health, that's not the case for everyone in the gay community. So, um, th there are other barriers to people being allowed to live full lives than just being gay. Um, so I think I mentioned earlier, um, uh, social economic backgrounds, the color of one's skin, um, within our own community, I see so much bias in our own community or prejudice. I'm sorry, in our own community, um, when it comes to color, especially when it comes to someone who's transitioning, um, it, it breaks my heart when I see somebody I know and love go through being treated badly by somebody and that, and that they're being treated badly by somebody within an, our own community to me is, is unacceptable. Um, that tells me that the person has not, the person that's doing it has not um, experienced anything bad in their life, or if they did, they quickly forgot it because I don't want to treat anybody in a way that I wouldn't want to be treated. And um, so that, that being said, I, when I fight my fights, it's not just for the gay men in our community. It's for the women. It's for, for those who are, who are transitioning. It's for those from different backgrounds of, my, of myself, whether it's religion, race, geographic background, people who grew up in another country and have come here. I mean, if you wanna be a part of my community, I want to, I want to accept you. And I, I think more of us need to do that. And, I, and I'm talking to the people within our own community that we, we mm -hmm. need to be more accepting of each other. Pride has grown to represent so many different people from different walks of life to give them a chance to celebrate. And celebrating is so important. I mean, you know, we have holidays so that we can celebrate. If, if, if we, all we did was get up and go to work Monday through Friday, and do nothing on the weekends, what a boring life we would have. I mean, yeah. events, especially um, pride events, people look forward to that all year long because it's a chance to just 
visually, if anything else, visually see the masses of people and and the the festive environment and, and experience that for the month of June. And mm-hmm. it, it, I just think it's something that needs needs to continue. I, I would I I wish people would be more festive throughout the year. No, you know, no matter no matter if they're celebrating um, gay pride or, or something else. I, I, I think our world, I think our world needs more frivolity and 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 you know, just celebratory. Yeah, just just enjoy life. I mean, why would why are we on on this planet if we're not here to in, enjoy life and and celebrate it and and enjoy the other people on the planet i mean i would hate to get up every morning with the mindset that i'm going to hate everybody i see today i i just i don't understand that mindset and i look forward to interacting with people and i just i just think that's why we're here on the second half of our show today i spoke with lee mamlin And just like the other guests, I started the conversation by asking her, what was Pride Month like for you this year in 2020? Uh, To be perfectly honest, this year, um, I I haven't given Pride Month much attention. Um, It, it, there, there seem to be so many other fires to put out in the world right now. And um, my mind has been on, uh, you know, of course, keeping myself and my family well during the pandemic and, and, um, just, uh, yeah, the sort of a more global issues seem to be more on my mind. Um, but, uh, it, it also interestingly was kind of in sync with the Supreme, the Supreme court's latest sort of ruling to say, that people can't be fired for being gay. And so interestingly, we had one of our, um, one of the main things that we've been fighting for, for so long, forever, essentially, uh, the Supreme Court just uh, made it possible that you can have a job and and not worry, live in fear that you'll lose your job if it's found out that you're gay or trans mm-hmm. or queer on any um, spectrum. Uh, and that that's been huge. I mean, uh, that's been one of the things that I, you know, I remember marching for that very reason decades and decades ago. So, um, it feels a little bit, um, I don't know. It's, it's just sort of a warped sense of timing by the universe that we have a, Mm -hmm. a major, a major, um, gain and right. We can't really gather to celebrate. Yeah, it feels a little anticlimactic, right. as, as important as it is. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I've heard other people say similar things to me about yeah. Pride Month this year. And in fact, um, one of our friends who lives in Chicago said that he's been more focused on the Black Lives Matter movement. And well, the things I was that just going to say that. I, I was yeah. thinking of that. There's sort of these uh, intersections that are definitely happening with uh, communities that are just looking for some degree of justice. And, and yeah. I see sort of when, in my bubble of people who are, um, it, you know, in my, in my gay little world, I'm seeing a lot of us showing up at uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Um, it, yeah. And why do you think that is? Do you feel as though, you know, being a member of a community that's historically had to struggle, that that makes you maybe more empathetic towards others or, or, or is it just you personally? Like, is this because of your, because of being a part of the gay community that you feel yeah. an extra sense of, I don't want to say obligation, but I can't think of another word, but you feel no, an extra I, sense of I connection or yeah. is it just because you were raised Lee Mamlin and this is what you believe or is well, it just or both? I'd like to think I'd like to, I, I think it's both. I think it's both, but I, I, you know, the gay community has their own journey around issues of people of color. And just because you're gay does not mean that you're sensitive to the needs and issues of people of color. In fact, just, uh, was it last year or the year before, I think two years ago, uh, here in Columbus, uh, there were gay 
people of color. I think, I don't know, I should know my history a little bit better because it wasn't that long ago. I think it might have also been trans uh, people of color where they interrupted the pride parade to say, we're not being heard here. And uh, hmm. that, create, that shocked a lot of people. They just couldn't believe that, um, uh, you know, there could be any, you know, uh, I, I think it, it exposed what I'm trying to say. It, it exposed some areas of weakness in, um, I think, part of this is my personal view of uh, mm-hmm. how we think of pride and not really thinking of people who maybe are kind of dealing with a bit of a double whammy with both being uh, gay and and walking in brown skin. And, and mm-hmm. um, uh so I, there's been a lot of turning the other way, I think, on the part of the gay community. However, I, I do think there's a large percentage of us who definitely feel um, some, uh, they feel a common thread with knowing what it's like to be um, either not seen or overtly pushed to the margins. And so, right. uh, yeah, I think it's both. Do you see pride itself as a movement? Or is it a, a month of celebration? And if so, like if it's a movement, does this is this hurt that that we didn't get a chance to move it forward? Or I mean, was it a was it a bad month? No, no. I I mean personally, I I see it as uh, well. I mean, it's it's a little bit of both. I I definitely. I may be an outlier here, but I don't uh, think of. Uh, pride as being exclusively a June thing. I mean, I know it it, it is and it's marketed that way, Um, but it's, it's an ongoing thing. And boy, there's no, nobody better than the gay community to just pick up where we left off. I mean, Mm -hmm. when we get the chance to, to celebrate again, we'll, we'll be doing that for sure. But um, Mm -hmm. last, last year, was an interesting thing for me personally. I I was at at the Pride March, and I I I have a lot of inner turmoil myself, just trying to think of where I really want uh, uh, things to stand with gay pride. I I, I what I saw was um, group after group after group after group marching in the parade huge groups of people from corporations you know Verizon's pride uh, group and and Kroger's uh, pride group marching it was just it, it it over the last several years especially it's become become in to my eyes a very corporate um, chance to show for corporations to show their support of uh, uh, gays and lesbians, and in 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 conjunction with that, there have been so many allies showing up at the at the parade. And of course, both of those things are are things to celebrate. They're real gains for the community. I I wouldn't want to turn anything back in time. Don't get me wrong, but it has caused me to be just a little bit sensitive to what it means when allies sort of. Um, they mean well, but they sort of maybe take over um, uh, something. Mm -hmm. I I know in like the Black Lives Movement, there's a lot of, um, you know, if you're you're really paying attention, you're going to hear that as say a white person showing up at a rally, you need to, you need to take your instructions from the people uh, at the helm, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, not about me, right? Um, uh, we can use our white bodies to to protect our our um, brothers and sisters who are of color, but but it is not um, it, our voices aren't, aren't the ones that are should be completely leading the way. And I so anyway, I guess I'm I I have some conflict around what we are calling gay pride. It's usually down to a lot in a lot of ways the parades anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, of course, visibility, all those things are great, but it's an interesting place we're in right now where there's such, such integration into all facets um, that it, it, I don't, somewhere in what I say, just I'm using last year as an example, somewhere in the throngs of humanity that marched down the streets, um, there was something fundamental I felt like was missing. But I do, I do hear what you're saying, yeah. and, and I've thought about that too. And in fact, even we've even given a lot of thought to that when we 
developed this podcast and I don't know if yeah. you've ever looked at our website, but we change our logo to the rainbow uh, colors versus our regular colors during pride month. And, right. you know, we're doing these things because r- frankly, we don't know what else we are supposed to do. Right. And so, and so we're happy to have instruction on that. But one of the other people I interviewed said, you know, kind of what you're saying that those things, they, they may make you a little uneasy, but also for some people, those are signposts that say, this is a safe place totally. like Verizon and, you know, Verizon's totally. doing their best to be welcoming. So obviously, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's about them. So I guess there's a line you have to figure out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it could be something as simple as just the way you organize how how people show up for things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but definitely those signposts of of safety and and you know we're all looking as we as we're trying to you know I don't know find a church or you know uh, schools and colleges for our kids as they grow up, those kinds of things. Um, you're we're constantly looking for signposts that, that we're in safe spaces. So that, that's an important, that's important too. I mean, I, okay. I think you're, I'm, your rainbow colors are, I think it's a good move. <laughs> okay. Um, well, and so you were just talking about your family. So, uh, you know, aside from pride month, I just also want to talk about your experience in general and, and, you know, yeah. you've been, we're in the same generation and you've, you came up in the eighties and funny enough, three of the four people I've interviewed for this podcast have all been, you know, raised in the seventies and eighties um, and in the Midwest. So can you tell me what that, I mean, you know, what that was like, what that was like, sort of, I know it's a long story, but also not just, but did you ever feel that there was a turning point like, or, or are you still waiting for that turning point? And yeah, for me, it was actually sort of mid to late seventies that I start to suspect that something is distinctly different uh, about me, and that was a that was a challenging time. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there I I was not a um, product of the sixties in that you know the free love hippie movement. I missed that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm growing up in sort of the Brady Bunch Partridge Family era. I didn't have vocabulary. I think maybe if I had even been, uh, surprisingly, if I'd even been a little bit younger, I might've had vocab vocabulary, but I didn't even know what to call my feelings or I didn't have any, any sort of frame of reference. I mean, literally none, no pop, mm-hmm. pop culture folks were out and, you know, it was, it was very, I mean, it, it, it took a long, it took a long time for me to even figure out sort of that I was, that I was gay or even, I mean, Lord, getting to even be able to say the word lesbian was really a challenge. And and when I think back on, I feel like I grew up with you and my brother and, and your brother kind of as a little posse of four. And when I think that two out of the four of us were gay, but we never talked about that. It could never, we never, we didn't have the vocabulary or the words or the comfort or any of those things. These were, these were deep, dark secrets. I mean, I know my very first gay bar I ever went to was in Indianapolis and that was kind of a knock on the door kind of place and, you know, a hidden uh, hole. Mm. Um, and, uh, so it was a, it was a very very different time. I mean, it's it's amazing that we're not all just utterly self loathing um, uh, adults now. But I mean, fortunately, um, you know, you get this, you take it back to gay pride. Fortunately, with Stonewall and people having the courage to step out and and fight back, um, you know, they were paving the road for you know every little march, every little step, every little challenge to the status quo created more room for for us to be able to dare to say who we were out loud you know right well and i also and if i'm not putting words in your mouth i mean i think i think you know the family that we grew up in while obviously it was tough at first you know the our parents generation have done a pretty good job of you know coming around and um um, kind of an amazing job when you think how they were raised and the times that they were in so I think I think what you're saying about self-loathing, I mean, I think to be fair, you know, you and my brother are pretty lucky. I mean, there probably are still people out there that didn't have that experience that are having a much 
they'd well, be much harder time. Well, yes, yes, for sure. No doubt about that. But it's not as though that wasn't an evolution. I, I mm-hmm. think, Oh, um, for sure. My yeah. parents were utterly shocked and uh, it took them a while. I mean, there was the, the very first gut impulse for them was to, um, you know, it was in college, even though I had, I had been gay in high school. It wasn't until I was in college, my freshman year that they, uh, realized that I indeed was gay and, and they, um, they had their initial and I, and their initial reaction was maybe they shouldn't continue to pay for my college. You know, they, they were really freaked. They freaked out initially and, and mm-hmm. they were yelling or anything, but they, they were, they had to grieve something. They were shocked, you know, uh, but but here's the thing that I always say about my story is um, around the same time, I was so lucky around the same time that my parents really realized that um, I was gay. Um, there were some gay folks in our church that came forward, gay adults who came forward to say they wanted their own Sunday school class. And that really ruffled the feathers of um, some of the you know blue haired old ladies and, and folks, they, there started to be some sort of fire and brimstone kind of reaction to that. And um, it led to the church having a sexuality task force. And, um, and this, this all happened just right after, right after um, my parents realized I was gay. And so before I could blink, I, my mom volunteered to be head of the sexuality task force. And what happened at that church, I think my mom was able to stand in a place she loved, a place that anchored her and rooted her. And, you know, she, that church was a part of her and she was able to stand and see on one side, um, uh, the gay, uh, community saying we need a safe place to have our own faith expression in this church. And then on the other side, she saw the Bible thumping and the, the outrage uh, that mm-hmm. people were feeling. And it allowed her to stand between those two places and ask herself, well, who am I in this, in this spectrum? You know, And same with my dad. Uh, I, and um, they've always been very um, progressive-minded, liberal-minded folks, despite their very conservative upbringings. And it, it didn't take them long to know where they wanted, where they wanted to stand on that, on that spectrum. And, um, and so they started reading and learning and, and, and processing with these, with these um, parishioners that of the church and, and they weren't having to deal with the sexuality of their own daughter, even though they really were. I mean, they were, they were kind of working it out, but it wasn't, it's much harder when it's your own child, you know, when your own child is, you're having to deal with the new sense of the sexual self of your teenager. And um, that's, that's awkward, even in the best of times, the straightest of times. And so um, I, I've just always been grateful that the church uh, was going through its own evolution, right, right when I needed it to. And um, I would say, uh, it, I've always, since that time, you know, I, it, in a, in about a decade's time from my parents discovering kind of who I was, they, they almost evolved beyond where I was in terms of being comfortable with who I was. I mean, it, it, it uh, you know, fast forward a decade later and I'm on the phone, you know, crying to my father about a breakup, um, and starting to feel, um, a little insecure about, you know, my sexuality and, and my dad prep was kind of, if I could say, I mean, I feel like he was talking me back into my lesbianism, <laughs> you know, <he's> kind of, <laughs> and, and just because he had known me for so long and he had, you know, reached a place yeah. of comfort and, 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 and there've been times, I mean, my parents, both of them have been in leadership positions, particularly dad. And there've been a couple instances where he's pulled me aside to, to kind of, thank me and not so much for the fact that I'm gay, but just appreciates the fact that his, his world opened up, his heart opened up, his perspective opened up. But um, you're right, Joe. Um, I, I am so lucky. I mean, compare this to people who are kicked out on the streets and all of that. But I also, even with parents like mine, um, there was a journey and it was difficult and um, scary initially. And um, 
you know, I think we all feel better for that, that, that journey, Mm -hmm. but, um, of course. Yeah. And and I, and I wasn't trying to diminish your, you know, experience. And I think, and, but in a way too, and I'm going to do it more (laughs) in a way too, I think that if your parents had had kind of a, Oh, cool kind of reaction and didn't give it a lot of thought and didn't dig into it, that they may not have come as far as they did come. So, so I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry that anybody has to go through that. But at the same time, I think the, the, the upside is it, forced reflection and right. it forced, you know, reading and that that's, and that's where I'm lucky is that they were the kind of people who would do, that, would do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've talked just a little bit about, or you've mentioned it, but you have a family, um, wife and two children. Right. Um, and, and obviously, um, where you are now seem, I mean, from my view seems to be like, things are going pretty well. Yeah. Um, what's, was, you know, where you live is outside of Columbus for anybody who's listening. Um, was Columbus a, um, a logical choice to raise a family, you know, that looks, that looks like your family or has Columbus come a long way too? What was Um, it, was it harder in the beginning? Tell me about that. Columbus has actually been pretty, uh, pretty good all along in terms of just a, a solid gay community. Uh, for a while, uh, when we, when I first met um, my partner, we were in a zip code that would brag about having the, the one of the highest density of uh, lesbians in the country at the time. It was, you know, so that there were definitely most streets there was seem to be there's a gay person uh on on the street if not a few so just in terms of being who we are that that was a comfort but part of uh, really not part one the main reason that we decided to stay here is that she had a job that had uh domestic partner benefits at the time is what the, we were calling it and, and the fact that at around uh, the turn of the century, we were able to have me on healthcare. It was just a little bit after, um, uh, but um, about the time we were having a family, we were able to be on uh, the company pay, uh, healthcare. That was huge, and it, yeah. there are many times we thought about moving somewhere else, but that alone um, is has been the. Uh, the thing that really kept us in place, but, but Columbus, Columbus, by comparison to, um, a a lot of places is surprisingly progressive there was, there was definitely a scare right after we had kids. That was when the, um, the state passed the, uh, amendment to the constitution to ban anything that looked like marriage. And, um, fortunately her employer, uh, their response to that uh, constitutional amendment was, we're going to keep offering dom- domestic partner benefits. Take us, we dare you to take us to court. Right. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that constitutional amendment passed when our son was a toddler, when he was really young. Or no, maybe he might've been, yeah, about, yeah, pre- preschool age. Right. Yeah. And he's 19 now, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a 19 year old son. So that's a pretty, you know, 20 years, a lot of things have happened in 20 years. What's it been like as a, as a parent, um, you know, how has that changed and has, do you think that Pete, that same sex couples having children now maybe have it a little easier than maybe when you, I'm not trying to compete, you know, have things gotten better for um, that? I, um, I think definitely things have gotten better. Um, frankly, we really have had very, very little um, issues. And as it turns out, it just it really surprised us, but our son ended up being an athlete. So we've been in those, uh, we've been in gyms, of AAU teams and, and that sort of thing. We've spent a lot of time in a, not just a a straight family world, but an aggressively straight family world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we've been able to do it, but I have to say, I feel like, um, 
we, we were, there were people who, many people who went before us in having kids, but we're still a little bit on the early side there. Now that is a discussion that every gay couple can have about whether or not to have kids. It was even when we were having that conversation in the late nineties, um, it felt daring to do it. And there, the internet was just happening and there wasn't a lot out there. And so our resources for figuring out how to have a family, there, there weren't as many as there are now. So what I'm, what I'm going at here is that there have been things that we've done that I know have been subtly groundbreaking in our own community that I'm hoping the people behind us uh, will be even less phased. It will be less of an issue. You know, I, I think about senior day for the basketball team walking across uh, the court, uh, uh, the basketball court to get mm-hmm. flowers as 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 our as our son, a senior, is being honored. Well, we're definitely the first gay couple to walk our child across that across that court, you know, um, doesn't seem like a, a big deal. It, it, it was certainly, um, we were well loved, but there were, you know, I was even, uh, a gay mom in the community texted me afterwards to say we were there. And that meant a lot just to see your family walk across that basketball court to, to, for your son to have his, you know, senior, senior. Yeah. And, um, and, and then, you know, just to be a little bit braggy, um, when at our son, at, at our son's graduation, our daughter has not graduated high school yet, but um, at his graduation, he went to a large high school here outside of Columbus. And I don't know, there were probably about 4,000 people gathered in the, in the uh, convention center, including the governor, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there were two students called out of that entire graduating class to uh, to be put on what they call their hall of fame. And basically these are students that just have been model citizens of the school for those four years. And our son was one of them. And, and, and of course I'm proud and I'm going to be proud of um, my daughter. If her picture isn't put up for eternity on the halls of her high school, it's not that, that I'm, I'm, I'm extra proud. I guess I want to say that that was a two mommy family that, that, mm-hmm. you know, that did that. And I think these are the, these are ways that um, uh, these are our own acts of, of paving the way Um and I know, I know because of what people have said to me that it matters, it matters for the other gay parents and there were some in that audience. It, it matters for the gay kids in that audience. It matters for the straight folks who are, you know, kind yeah. of wondering, you know, well, how did he do that? If he does, you know, how, what, how did that boy you know, end up so well-rounded if you didn't have a dad, you know, those are important questions for people to, to ask themselves, you know, as they're processing uh, what it means for people around them to live gay lifestyles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. And I, you know, and I'm a dad myself and, you know, I like to think that there's some value in it, but I, you know, but I do, I do also recognize that it's not, it's not because I'm, a, a man that right. I'm a good parent. I mean, I think that's what people have to have to get. Yeah. Have to yeah. get around. It is. It's that, but you know, we've, we've kept our eye on making sure that our son has, um, you know, a plenty of time with amazing men in his life for sure. That's, that's, uh, yeah. so I'm not saying that having, um, role models and, and that, that it's not sure. important. Da- I love my dad dearly. Right. So I, I, and, but you're right. I think it's about, it's about the love and res- respect more than anything. Well, and even if you yeah. can, and, and I think you did do a good, good job of making sure that he got to know lots of other men that were important in, in your world and in, you know, in the community and so forth, that's still not his parents. I mean, I think yeah. it boils down to like the people you've come home to. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's a real testament to how, to how you and Julie both did. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we didn't talk about your daughter, but it, do you yeah. feel like there's a different experience for her or is it, I mean, other than she's just a different 
they're different people, but they're very different people. And yeah, I mean, they're all family dynamics are, they're just things that, that happen. I mean, you know, it's funny. I mean, when I think about, I'll go back to my son for just uh, a minute, you know, uh, whenever we, I, I just, I think sometimes he rolls his eyes when we make a comment that seems like it has some, you know, feminist intent or something. And I'm sure mm. he sometimes thinks that, um, it's because he's in a home with two moms that, uh, um, that he has to endure, uh, comments that have to do with equality and things like that. You know, uh, uh, I often think, gosh, he, he really needs to be in a home with a, he needs to hear men, uh, making statements of equality too. Right. And, um, and so, and I, I say that because it's kind of funny. There's kids find a way to kind of kick back a little bit to, they don't want to totally just drink your Kool-Aid and have your worldview. And, um, so I, I have, it, it'll be interesting to see the kids are still evolving, but I, you know, um, I am hoping that, uh, my son, uh, you know, will end up sharing a lot of our sort of progressive uh, views on things, but how, what do I know? I don't know if he will. He might kick back a little bit. Our daughter seems ready to. Uh, she's she's uh, she's a pretty righteous little. <laughs> she's yeah. ready to take on the world, and um, so I yeah. But they they are different, and um, I do I, th- I think about often just that, that it's important for her to have really strong and good relationships with the men in our lives as well. Um, she needs she needs those role models too right yeah 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 absolutely yeah are you an optimist do you feel like things are getting better i i am an optimist and it's it's not my fault that i am i that's really embedded in me from my father who has always taken on impossible tasks and you wonder why and he just believes that human human goodness will prevail and i think that that is embedded in me I, I've seen in my lifetime how we take, you know, a step forward and then there's a, a pendulum swing, a, a reaction to it. Um, and things just need time to se- settle in a little bit. And then, you know, for example, we have a black president and look what who's next. We, ha- we get a reaction to that. And but then I, I see I still see that the fact that we had the black president, op- it opens up opportunities for others ahead, but, but we have to swing, we keep swinging back. I often think that, you know, gay rights, um, legislation, you know, the Supreme court ruling, um, it, uh, the, the latest one about not being able to, uh, be fired for being, um, queer or mm-hmm. gay. Um, I expect some reaction to that, whether it's in the polling booth or whatever, but we, uh, at, at this point, now that I'm in my mid fifties, I just see it as incremental growth, you know, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. But if we keep our eyes on the prize, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think we'll get there. And I I think this moment, this really messy moment we're in right now has the potential to, to lurch us forward, right. In a, in a, in a positive way. Well, thanks again to Lee and to Joe for being on the show today and for sharing all your stories. And wherever you happen to be listening, please hit the subscribe button because we have a lot more great episodes coming up. We'd love to hear from you and get your ideas and your feedback. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. News from the Peak is a project of Grace Peak Strategies and is produced by Maureen Life, David Ram, Robert Riddle, and me. You can find the podcast and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. You can learn more about us at gracepeakstrategies.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grace Peak, and we're easy to find on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. This was News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. Thanks for joining us.
Mm -hmm. I don't know if that, that I may be going off on a tangent here, but it's just kind of an interesting evolution I'm seeing. Our, our podcast is based on tangents, so okay, that's perfect. Okay. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Lee. This You're has welcome. been really good. I've enjoyed it. And yeah. I've, but I, by the way, you can mark one thing off your list because I've been to your house and there's plenty in there. Okay, thank you. You cannot move things around enough to get anything else in there. Experiments in there too. We got to clear that thing out. I know. I know how it is. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Hey, we should.